had no play. Why teach? Episode 1. Hello and welcome to the first episode of the No Hat No Play Teaching Podcast. I'm Mr. JB and I'm a Humanities Digitech and Media teacher at a secondary girls school in Melbourne, Victoria. On each episode of the podcast, we will be joined by a new guest educator and delve into a different teaching topic. I created the podcast as I wanted educators to be able to choose and listen to an episode by topic, one they wish to explore further. At the same time, listeners will also hear from amazing educators about their teaching journey, tips and funny teaching moments. Throughout this journey, we will not only focus on the hard-hitting questions such as feedback and assessments, but also the seemingly more insignificant topics such as whether students should call teachers by first name and the ideal length for a lesson. Today, we are lucky enough to be joined by Hillel Solomon. Hillel is not only the head of science at Leave the Yamna College, but also a great friend of mine. Together, we are going to hear about his teaching journey and receive some valuable insights. Welcome, Hillel. How does it feel to be the first guest on the No Hat No Play podcast? It is very exciting. I can't wait to see this thing take off. Yeah, I thought you might be a good guest today because today's topic obviously is why teach. And since you actually studied another degree before teaching, I thought you might be a good person to hit up about this sort of thing. So thank you for coming in. No problem. So just to go through what you did previously, is it is it true that you did a degree in physics first? Is that yeah. What? So my uh, my undergrad after school, my first degree was a bachelor of science. I basically just picked whatever majors I thought were interesting. So I did a Bachelor of Science. I majored in physics and philosophy, actually, All right. as well. So just things that I found interesting without any real plan of where they were going to take me. Yeah, well, that, that's what I was going to ask you. Did you ever try work in that field at all? Um, no, actually. When I was getting towards the end of that degree, I was starting to look at what to do next. And teaching really grabbed me from there. So I, I looked a little bit at pathways for physics degrees and stuff, but none of them really attracted me. A lot of them involved further physics study, and I was not really interested in more going deeper into academia. Right. So um, I looked around, but nothing really grabbed me. And then I came across the teaching pathway that I ended up going down, and it really was attractive well i was trying to trying to work that out so you did study physics with no real aim of continuing that but then there are so many fields out there what was it about teaching that grabbed you and made you pursue it yeah well so i went in my like towards the end of my second year of uni maybe beginning of my third when i was coming towards the end of the degree i went to this careers fair that the uni put on and they had this thing where all the stalls had a banner in front of the stall saying which majors they were looking for. And I was looking around to see which stalls had physics as the majors that they mm. were looking for. Yeah. And it was either further physics study, going on to do your master's and PhD in physics, or weirdly, it was these financial companies that oh, wanted... Right. They just wanted anyone, I guess, who had an analytical mind, maybe a bit of training with data analysis, that sort of stuff. 
And they were like, if you've done physics, then you sort of know the basics of data analysis and analytics, and then we can train you in the finance. I was looking at this and I was like, that is just so not mm. me. Yeah. Everything I had done up until then, I loved working with people, working with kids specifically. Um, I had done like a little bit of teaching here and there and loved it. And then I came across this stall for Teach for Australia, which is the pathway I ended mm. up going down. Yeah, because you took a really different path to most. Yeah, mm. Do you want to maybe talk a bit more about that? Yeah, so Teach for Australia um, for those that don't know, is an organization, um, it's plugged into a global network actually called Teach for All. And the Australian branch of that Teach for Australia is aimed at, I guess, two things. Number one, getting people into teaching um, and who maybe otherwise wouldn't have gone into teaching, but it includes a lot of career transitioners who are looking for a change in their career. Um, people like me who were doing study in another field, but then getting sort of experts in every field into teaching, which we really need. And then the other sort of main goal of Teach for Australia is trying to address education inequity in Australia, mm. which is a huge issue. Australia ranks last in the OECD. Really? That's surprising. Yeah, yeah. Australia has a really un, unequal education system. We, we basically are running on two separate education systems in Australia where we've got um, a really significant percentage of kids going to private schools right. and the majority of kids going to public schools. And then there's the third one, the Catholic system as well. And the disparity between the kids going to the top private schools and the kids going to the lower public schools is huge. Wow. So that's that's one of the goals of Teach for Australia is um, trying to get sort of high quality teachers into um, schools that need them and trying to address education inequity. They said, I, I personally didn't go rural. I stayed, I'm from Perth and I stayed teaching in Metro Perth, but a lot of people go rural. Um, and that's the sort of main mission statement of the organization is trying to get people to care about and to address the inequity in our education system. That really surprises me how low Australia ranks. But yeah, yeah. Wow. <laughs> we, we, seem, we seem so good in, in so many other fields, but yeah, education seems like we're... And as a society, we like pride ourselves on this Australian ideal of egalitarianism. Yeah. But when it comes to what's actually happening on the ground, especially in our schools, there are a lot of problems. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, so that was, I was really attracted to Teach for Australia for a couple of reasons. Yeah. One was that mission statement that was, I just thought was really important. And the other more selfish reason why I was attracted to Teach for Australia is because I didn't really want to go through a two-year master's without, like I, I was just ready to jump into the classroom. And yeah, so can you tell us what Teach for Australia does with that? Yeah, so it's an interesting pathway. We had... I started Teach for Australia in 2019. So at the end of 2018, for six weeks in November, December 2018, we have this initial intensive where we all flew to Melbourne from around Australia and it was sort of full time for six weeks, this intensive course. The idea of that was basically just to get us ready to walk into the classroom day one, 2019. 
obviously there's only so much you can do in six weeks and it wasn't a full teacher's course by any stretch of the imagination but it was sort of enough just to get us to the point where we could walk in day one next year without being totally useless and then the coursework for Teach for Australia in terms of getting teaching qualifications it's a two-year master's that then takes place over the next two years but you're doing that simultaneously with actually teaching almost full-time in a school um, in a school that is classified as low socioeconomic or disadvantaged in some way yeah so that was my next two years was mm. working I was working at a school in Perth um, and uh, called Balcatta Senior High School. Great shout place. Out, yeah. yeah, shout out to anyone listening from Balcatta. <laughs> um, really, really fantastic school. It was a great place. And every, it was, it was sort of like while I was teaching there and then every couple of weeks, I'd have to spend sort of a whole weekend doing an assignment or something oh, like right. that for the masters. Yeah. And it was an intense pathway, but a really rewarding one as well. Yeah. And uh, just for listeners out there who haven't studied teaching, uh, the usual course puts you on placement a few times maybe for uh, three or six week blocks or four depending on where you are um as opposed to teach for australia which puts you straight into a school for a year it was two years yeah two years in at the school Yeah. yeah awesome okay so we might move on a bit um i was just wondering is education something that you've always valued throughout your life or is it something that you've grown to appreciate I think that growing up, education was around me a lot. My dad didn't end up following an education profession, but was very involved in community education. He's a rabbi, a religious leader, and very involved in um, both educating the children in the community and adult education as well, and sort of trying to implement education initiatives in a religious space within the community that we were a part of in Perth. And that was always just a part of my life and the value of that. And then when I got a bit older, I was involved in a religious youth movement in Perth. Um, B'nai Akiva, it's called. Shout out to B'nai Akiva. (laughs) Second shout out. Yeah, lots of shout outs. Um, and uh, I was a leader in that and really loved all the work. It was sort of an informal education space and really loved all the work that I was doing there with the school students that we were uh, working with. And I sort of through that, but at any point, a lot of, most of the jobs I had while I was at uni were somehow related to education. I worked for a company that we went into schools and gave study seminars and I was teaching a little bit at the school that I was, uh, that I went to, and I was just going in to sort of run extracurricular programs and stuff there. And so when it came to thinking about what I wanted to do when I finished my degree, that was really forefront of my mind. So Hillel, how have your first few years teaching been? Are you happy with your career change? Yes, I am. It's been a really intense few years really steep learning curve going into teaching but it's been really rewarding and I've loved I'm not going to say I've loved every minute of it because there's a lot of ups and downs and there's sort of high emotions involved in teaching sometimes but um, overall I have really loved it and I find it a very rewarding and fulfilling career up to date yeah uh, that's really great to hear We obviously know here in Australia and a lot of places in the world, there is a real teacher shortage. 
uh, which is a bit of a problem. And we, you've talked about how you've loved teaching. Um, and we'll get into why why teachers leave the profession a bit later on. But what do you think stopping people from joining the profession in the first place? It's a really good question. I think that sometimes, first of all, it is it is a hard job. And us teachers like to talk about that a bit. You know, teachers love to complain a little bit about the difficulties of our job, which is fair enough. But there's also this perception um, outside of teaching, like, oh, I would never want to do that, which contributes, I think, a little bit to people not wanting to go into it to start with. Um, I think it's pretty obvious that something like the pay and the general conditions involved in teaching um, can also be a barrier. But there are also things that we could do in Australia to just really lower the barrier to allow people to go in. We were talking before about my teaching pathway and how I sort of jumped straight into teaching without going through the whole study and then a placement and stuff first. And I think a pathway like that could lower the lower the sort of entry bar for a lot of people and make it more accessible. I, I don't see any reason why teaching can't be more of an apprenticeship type pathway where, you know, especially maybe primary school teaching, but high school teaching as well, where especially if you have a previous degree and so you're already a subject expert in some subject, I think that making people go through a two-year master's before they can go into a classroom is just making it not accessible enough, especially when we have such a teacher shortage. And Australia used to have the dip ed, mm. which... And there's talks of bringing it back, actually. Yeah, which um, I think would be a positive. Yeah, thing. I didn't know there were talks of bringing yeah. it back. I think that would be fantastic because there's no reason why a one-year dip ed, if, you've already, if you're already a subject expert in the thing you're going to teach, then a one-year dip ed and then straight into the classroom. I think almost any teacher in the world will tell you that you learn more in one month actually teaching in a classroom than you do in a whole year of uni. Yeah, 100%. Especially if you've got good mentors in your school and a good support structure. So those are some practical things we can do maybe to make it more accessible for people. Um, but it's also just a, a hard job that not everyone wants to do. And that makes it hard for us to get people into the teaching profession 100 yeah and i think that dip ed bringing that back would make a real difference i've heard a lot of people talk about how they just don't have two years to go back to uni to study teaching if it was one they would consider it so i think that would be an easy change that would be really good for us especially for career changes if you're in your 30s already you've been working somewhere for 10 years and then maybe you're thinking of a career change and going into teaching people probably can't afford to take two years off to go study um, and making it more accessible, something like the pathway I did where, I mean, I wasn't on a full teacher salary while I was at the school, but I was getting paid and it just makes it easier for people who want to move into teaching to do that. 100%, yeah. So that's why people don't start in the profession or don't, don't study teaching. But I've looked up some potential reasons why educators leave. We might go through a few of them and just get your thoughts on it. So one is low pay. I think that one's pretty obvious. Um, yeah, it, it's hard to justify going into teaching if you're going to get way less money than you would in other professions. Uh, I think that is something we could change, obviously. It would take a, a big change for that to happen. But yeah, that's one. Long working hours. Um, so 
I don't know, you can speak a bit on on kind of the hours you work. Do you just work the eight till three or is <laughs> not quite? Of, yeah. <laughs> I think there's a perception and teachers struggle with this. All teachers struggle with this where wider society sometimes have this perception. I, I mean, you can tell me how many times you've had the comment where you'll say you're a teacher and then the immediate reaction people have is, oh, the holidays must be nice. Yeah, <laughs> and it's like this this attitude that our teachers just have the best life because we finish work at, you know, 3.30 or whatever and we have these incredibly long holidays. And You know, there are some perks and the long holidays are definitely one of them, but I don't think any teacher is out there suggesting that you go into teaching because there's really good working hours yeah um it's one of those jobs where it's pretty hard to clock off during term at least you know there's always marking to be doing there's always more lesson prep or planning to be doing and um i think a lot of teachers will tell you that although officially their work hours are you know eight to four or whatever that they end up putting in a lot more work than that because you often can't get everything you need to get done during the day when you're at school and there's a lot of competing demands and a lot of teachers end up bringing their work home. hundred percent. Yeah. So we have low pay, we have long working hours. Another one we had was lack of support and recognition. Um, I, I, I don't know if that was referring to the wider public or from the actual schools, but I guess schools can all, all support in their own different ways. So, um, and I think that throughout COVID, there's been more of an appreciation for teachers as well and seeing the online teaching and, and everything the uh, teachers do. So I think that was a positive change out of a very negative situation. Yeah. Uh, high workload, which we've kind of touched on. Challenging student behavior. I think that would be a big factor why people would leave. I don't In know. my experience, that's a, that's a pretty big one. Like having spoken to people who have either thought about leaving teaching or have actually left teaching... That's, that's a pretty big one. It's like, why am I putting, you know, their attitude might be, why am I putting myself through this, trying to get a group of 28, 14-year-olds to learn maths who don't want to learn maths and they're just mucking around and I don't get supported by my school. And um, especially, like, I, kn- I knew a couple of people through Teach for Australia who started off with these really enthusiastic ideals and within a couple of months, it that's what it was. It was the student behavior and the lack of, for them, it was the lack of support they got from their mm. school in dealing with that yeah. that led them to just, it was such a drain on their mental well-being that they left. Yeah, it's, it's very difficult trying to fight with kids for their attention. When you're there trying to do something for them, you're there to educate them. Um, and sometimes it's hard for the students to realize that. Yeah. Um, and then stress and burnout was the last point, which I think comes from all those. Yeah, exactly. I think stress and burnout is a combination of all of them. If you're dealing with challenging behavior and your workload is high and having spoken to some teachers who have been in the profession for a long time, they, a lot of them mentioned that the administrative workload has increased. Mm. So while they might be working similar hours in terms of lesson prep and stuff as they were 20, 30 years ago, the amount of administrative demands on a teacher, apparently, I can't say this from my own experience, but what they tell me is that it's increased. And so the workload with the challenging behavior, with the lack of recognition and and the pay not maybe not being what it could be if they went somewhere else are all contributing factors to that burnout 
Yeah. I think there's some crazy statistic about the percentage of teachers that drop out within the first five years. We're going to get there. We're going right. to get there later on. But based on those reasons that we just covered, what do you think a school can do to prevent their teachers from leaving? Yeah, it's a really tough one. I think a lot of the reason why, even when teachers are dealing with a lot of those issues, they end up staying at the school they're at or in the profession more generally is when they just have really good support Mm. from their colleagues and from their managers. And there are some sort of simple things that a school can do, I think, to support teachers that a lot of schools out there are doing really well. A lot of schools out there probably need to improve on. But just that support from not just colleagues, you know, fostering a good sort of work environment where colleagues are collaborating, but also if we talk about something like challenging behavior being a reason why teachers are leaving the profession, what sort of layers of support do teachers have in their school when they need to deal with that? Mm -hmm. Um, You know, is the school administration immediately siding with the kids and the parents and telling the teacher that this is all their fault, in which case it's probably going to lead to the teacher feeling pretty crappy about themselves. Um, And I I think that would be the biggest thing is those layers of support from the school in terms of dealing with challenging behavior and workload and those other issues we mentioned. Yeah. And a thank you goes a long way, I think. Like it might not seem much from the school's perspective, but a thank you and acknowledgement of what the staff member does really can make a difference. Definitely. A thank you and acknowledgement and, and practical things as well. Like I know that, you know, really simple things like when you've got parent teacher interviews coming up and that's going to be a whole evening ahead of you of talking to one group of parents after the other. Does the school maybe give you the afternoon off or the morning off the next day? And it's it's really simple things like that that don't make a huge impact on the school year or on the kids learning or anything. But just acknowledging that something like parent-teacher interviews can be a huge drain on teachers. So we'll give you, you know, the morning off the next day or school will end at lunchtime that day. or You know, that's just one really small example. But It's not just the thank you and appreciation, but also those practical things that schools can do to help teachers deal with the stresses. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, For me, um, back at school, we were a cohort of 36 uh, students. And I think I'm the only one uh, who's moved into the teaching world. There's one other who, who has just started, so two of us. But do you think teaching was a valued profession while we were growing up? I think it's one of those things where if you ask anyone, do you value teachers? They're always going to say yes. It it would be a bit taboo to say, no, I actually don't value my teachers. But then practically, what does that look like? I don't know. I mean, what's your experience when you mentioned earlier, one of the reasons why people leave the profession is lack of appreciation and recognition. What does that look like to you? Right. Because um, I, I think that everyone, if you ask anyone on the street, do you appreciate teachers, me, it's obviously gonna say, they're obviously going to say yes. But practically, what does that look like? And is it something that teachers can feel? Or is the message that teachers are getting from the community that although we say we appreciate you, we don't really? Yeah. Well, I think it goes back to that phrase, which I've completely forgotten, but the one from School of Rock of... Uh, what? How does it go? Do you remember? Ah, uh, no, it's been a so, few those years. Who, since I those who can't do teach. Oh right? uh, yeah, so, sayings like that. Yeah. Uh, so I feel like it's it's one of those where 
it's seen as anyone can do it yeah. so it's not not so valued right right and i think i think that's a factor why why people don't really it's not like a prestigious job yeah yeah so people might say they appreciate their teachers but when it comes down to what they're actually saying you know at their dinner tables at home or something about teachers there might be a different story 100% yeah 100% um so how how do you think we can change that that <sighs> stigma of I don't know, teaching not being really a valued profession. That's a tough question. I think you're right. You said earlier that you reckon COVID maybe shifted that a little bit when a lot of students were learning from home and parents had to deal with a lot of the things that teachers deal with and maybe mm. realized that it's not so easy. Um, I know that one of the ways that in Australia we've tried to um, introduce a bit more prestige into the profession is through all these professional standards. You know, like when you start going through teaching, you've got to, to become fully registered, you have to show that you're meeting all of your professional standards. And I think part of moving away from the dip ed towards the masters was part of that as well, trying to raise the prestige of the profession. I think those specific ideas sometimes end up backfiring because it just raises the bar and actually just makes it less accessible for people who maybe would be brilliant teachers to get into the profession. So I don't actually know what the solution is. I think it's also maybe one of those things that is just up to the community to watch the language it uses. You know, that saying, those who can't do teach. And then mm. within the teaching profession, we're guilty of this as well, because I don't know if you've heard this one, but teachers will often respond with, and those who can't teach, teach PE. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I think watching the language that we use around these just as a community can go a long way to um, appreciate showing more appreciation for what teachers do. Yeah. Now I meant to bring this up earlier, but I actually completely forgot. Um, but I'll just bring the stats behind teachers leaving the profession. Um, so in the, in the US, around 8% of teachers leave the profession each year. That's from the National Center of education statistics so that's not actually that much but it's still a negative trend in the uk around 30 percent of newly qualified teachers leave the profession within the first five years 30 percent yeah, 30 that's department for education now get ready for this one in australia around 40 percent of teachers leave the profession within the first five years of 40 percent that's from the australian institute for teaching and school leadership yeah 40 percent wow um which is a bit crazy and then in canada around 40 percent of teachers leave the profession as well in the first five years from the canadian teachers federation uh which is pretty damning on the on the profession there that i mean that's just outrageous i've lost for like 40 percent. i knew it was high i didn't know it was that high within the first five years if that was happening in any other sort of essential profession then i, don't know, I feel like that yeah. Yeah, I'm a bit lost for words there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I, it's obviously not good. And, and obviously we need to do something to change that. And so far we've focused a lot on the negatives here. Okay. We're going to, we're going to end the podcast with talking about some of the positives behind teaching um, and hopefully uh, really recruit some amazing teachers to the profession. So I wanted to know. Well, firstly, do you think you need to have a passion for teaching in order to sign up for something like this? It, it's a pretty tough job to do if you're not passionate about it, I think. 
um, we, especially, you know, with a lot of those challenges and stresses that we were mentioning earlier, there are, like we said, there's a lot of things that can be done to ease those pressures. But at the end of the day, if you're going to be spending the majority of your time at work, standing in front of a room of 25 teenagers, trying to get them to learn something that they're not particularly interested in, then it's pretty hard to do that if you're not passionate about it, I think. And so while I don't love the attitude of, you know, in order to become a teacher, you have to be this most passionate person in the world, because again, I think that's just raising the bar a bit too high and not making it accessible enough. I do think it's pretty hard. It's a, it's a pretty tough job to do if it's not something that you love. Yeah. Yeah. I would tend to agree with that a bit as well, or at least see the value in teaching. Mm. Um, like if you see it as something that's very valuable to society, that could probably get you through it. But I think you would need to have at least that in order to become a teacher. Um, so we, we sort of touched on this at the start, but can you give us the main reasons of why you love teaching? Yeah, I can try sum it up. For me, the working with young people is just so rewarding. You get to spend every day. I mean, I'm a high school teacher. I'm, I'm primary school has its own whole suite of rewards and challenges that I don't even know about because I've never worked in the primary school space, but specifically in high schools. I mean, you're working with kids aged sort of, you know, 12 to 18 or whatever. And it's just an age where their worlds are opening up and to be able to be a part of that and maybe guide them a little bit on their learning journeys while they're at that young age to watch them develop and to see how your teaching can open their minds up to new possibilities and to new worlds is really just incredible. And that's probably the main thing is, you know, when, when you're in a classroom and you're explaining, I mean, I'm a physics teacher predominantly. And so when you're in a classroom and, you know, you're teaching a group of year 11 physics students, so you're teaching a group of year eight science kids and you get to teach them about the atom for the first time in the year eight curriculum. And you're opening up their minds to this whole new way of understanding the world. And when you watch that click in their minds and they have those aha moments where something finally slots into place and they understand the, the concept. And it happens a lot in science when it finally just, you see it click and you see their eyes open up like, whoa, Mm. there's nothing like that yeah 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 um and i guess that leads to the next question as well but what can you get from teaching that you can't really get from most other professions it's it's a hard one to answer because i haven't really worked in other professions yeah. but thinking about yeah i guess a lot of the stuff that i was just saying you get such a insight into the way that kids minds work and then there's just that satisfaction of when when your teaching is good and you see that have an effect there's just such immense satisfaction in that it's really wonderful yeah um so i i actually asked the next one to chat gpt oh yeah <laughs> I, I looked up the reasons why why people teach and here's what it gave out to me okay so one <laughs> One was making a difference, which I think is, is quite a big one. Two, love of learning. 
three job security. Yeah. Because obviously there is a teacher shortage, so yeah, you're going to be pretty secure in your job there. Uh, four opportunities for personal and, prof- and professional growth. Five work-life balance, which we <laughs> yeah, which we, may or may not yeah, be the case. <laughs> we seem to yeah contradict that before. Uh, variety and creativity, I think. Yeah, yeah, that's a big one. That's sure. a big one. Uh, a sense of fulfillment. Um, and then I added one of my own. Yeah, uh, what was that? Um, just having a social connection because you have, I guess, that social connection with other teachers, obviously, but also with your students. Um, so there's so many people you interact with daily um, and make those connections with. So I just gave you eight reasons. Are there any of those that really stick out to you as, as one of the Yeah, I, I think a couple of them that I didn't talk about before earlier on, you mentioned... Um, making a difference and that's a really big one as well um, you know especially if you're if you're teaching no matter who you're teaching actually like kids kids have struggles and whether it's social struggle social emotional problems that they're having or just learning difficulties and um, when you as the teacher are able to make a small contribution to helping set that kid up for success later on in life, there is just one of the biggest sort of revolutions that's happened in the world in the last 100, 200 years is access to education. And for kids, especially kids coming from more difficult backgrounds, education really is that thing that is going to set them up for a life of success and happiness and being able to be part of that um i think is is really fulfilling making a difference in a kid's life no matter how small it is i think sometimes we as teachers tend to maybe inflate uh Mm. the impact that we have i mean each teacher is just a small sort of cog in that chain in the kids uh, in the kid's life um, you know, if I'm teaching a kid for a year, I'm seeing them three, four hours a week. That's not much in the grand scale of things, but you get to be a part of a whole team that is working on setting that kid up for success and happiness. And that's, that's pretty cool. Yeah. And for me with teaching, I, I just know, even if I have a terrible day at school, I know at least I've probably made a difference to someone and that, that sense of fulfillment and and making a difference like really keeps you going yeah absolutely yeah um i might just go through a few more so we had making a difference love of learning that's kind of cool because i guess i i'm constantly learning like i teach tech and humanities i I, like i'm constantly learning year after year new things and I, i really love learning so uh teaching is enabling me to continue my education journey as well which is something i love as well um yeah, um, and there's there, there's a um, I don't know who said this, but someone once upon a time, someone clever, um, made the point that if you can't explain something to a child, then you don't really understand it yourself. Mm-hmm. And I think that there's often that you know if I'm teaching like a year seven science class or something, if I ha- so, sometimes you just need to stop and think, hang on a sec, how am I actually going to explain this in a way that a twelve year old kid is going to be able to grasp it? And that really helps you as well think through your understanding of a topic or like what you know about something and you you might learn something that you already know but learn it in a totally different way because you now have to explain it to a group of 12 year olds yeah. and that's pretty cool too and, and i think it's really true as well that sometimes a lot of the time you're actually learning from these students as well like they might bring something up that you've never thought of and and you're learning 
from them, which is really exciting. Yeah. So I really love learning. So that, that was a big draw card for me. Um, yeah. And the creativity side of things, like I love being creative and, and writing lessons in different ways and doing different activities and really make it fun and exciting for the students. So I, I, it gets my creative juices flowing, which I might not have got in some other profession. So I love that part of it. Um, yeah, so I think those are really the main reasons why people would teach. Um, and, and I think those are all factors that people should consider when going into the, into the pref- into the profession. Sorry. Like it's not all bad. Like we covered before, there are yeah. some amazing things about teaching. And even the things that I, like I said before, I think teachers, we, we do have things to complain about, but we also like complaining <laughs> and, and it's important sometimes to be able to take a step back and go, you know what? When, we're, when we get together as teachers, we like to complain a bit about the amount of marking that we have to do or something like that. But when you take a step back and you look at it more broadly, it really is just a wonderful job to have. Yeah, I, I'm so much happier. Not that I actually tried another profession, but I did do another degree first and I pictured myself working in that field and I don't think I'd be nearly as happy working there than I am teaching. So... Yeah, that is something for people to consider. Now, Hillel, just to finish off today, what would be your pitch to those who are considering joining the profession or are considering leaving the profession? I know it's two different questions there, but I think it would be the same uh, sort of pitch. So for listeners out there who might be listening right now, can you give us about a 30-second pitch on what would you say to those considering uh, joining the profession? Yeah, I can try. Anyone who's considering joining teaching, all I can really say is repeat some of the things I've said before about how immensely fulfilling, rewarding and satisfying it is to be able to work with a group of kids where every single day you're teaching them new things, you're watching them grow, you're seeing the effect that you're having on their learning and how that's going to reverberate throughout their lives. Um, You get to work with incredible people. There are really fantastic humans that go into the teaching profession that you get to work with. And there are some things you might have to put up with, but overall the, the reward and satisfaction from the profession, if it's something that you're interested in, then give it a go because there's a lot that you can get out of it. Yeah. Um, And just to those who, might be considering leaving is there something to remind them or i think for those that are considering leaving i'm not going to try and you know if i was having a conversation with someone who's considering leaving the profession i'm not going to try to remind them of all the amazing things about teaching because they know that already if they're thinking of leaving it's probably because one of those factors we mentioned before the stress the workload the conditions the behavior has just gotten to breaking point and maybe all i'd suggest is not every school is going to be the same. And if you've been at the same school for 10 years and you've had enough, before you walk out of the profession, just have a look at what else is out there. Because maybe you'll find an environment that suits you a lot better, suits your style a lot better, and, and you can continue to be a part of all the amazing things about teaching, but in a way that is more balanced and more healthy for you. 
So Hillel, it's been great having you here today. Um, the reason we're we're laughing here is because we actually had a couple months break in between. Yeah, it's been a it's been a minute. Um, but I realised that everyone has a good teaching story, so I thought I'd bring back Hillel and and add it in as a regular segment to the podcast of of funny teaching stories or moments. So Hillel, would you like to take us away with one of yours? Well, I think that the funniest moments as a teacher when your your students are just doing something that you know in that moment like you're not supposed to be laughing at them yeah. but it's just too funny and you can't hold it in yeah. um so i remember um recently i was i was on a school camp um and there were some other leaders who were running the programs and stuff on the camp but my job as the teacher was to sort of, you know, be there to tell the kids they have to go to bed when it's time to go to bed and that sort the of thing. For one, yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know what I do best. So um, there's like a group of, I think they must have been in year 11, I think, thinking back on it. So a group of year 11 boys and, um, you know, year 11 boys on school camp, like it took a little while to get them to the point where they were ready to go to bed. And then... They, they, before they actually, you know, lights out sort of thing, they were allowed to be in their rooms and just like chilling for a little bit before we were going to come and turn the lights out and sort of a curfew. So they go to their rooms and I walk in half an hour later to tell them it's time to go to sleep now. And one of the boys has brought a cake. <laughs> and what night of camp was this? Uh, probably the first night of camp, right? So he's, he's brought a cake and... <laughs> What's happened is all the boys were sitting around on their beds chatting and each eating this cake. So one of them would take a bite and then hand it off to the next one who would break off a bit and then hand it off. And it was just going round and round in the circle. Um, but it was like a dark room and without them really knowing, the, the cake had just crumbled. <laughs> Every time they had passed it to the next person, more of it had just crumbled what what type of cake are we talking oh i think it was just like a standard sort of chocolate cake yeah. like a like a good anyway so i'm trying to get these boys to now it's time to get into your beds and go to sleep and they're they're all like we can't there's cake in our beds <laughs> i was like what do you mean there's cake in your beds Anyway, it took so long to get them to go to sleep because there was one boy in particular who every time I opened, like I looked into their dorm, he was out of his bed. And I was like, come on, mate. It's like, it's past the curfew. You got to be in bed. It's time to go to sleep. Got a big day tomorrow. And every time he was just like, but I found more cake in my sleeping bag. <laughs> and I just didn't understand how he could have cake in his sleeping bag. Anyway, it got to the point where we got this boy got him to bring his sleeping bag outside. We like fully unzipped it and shook it out. And there's just, there's just like chunks of cake falling out of his sleeping bag. How big was this cake? <laughs> they must have only eaten like half of it because there was so much. It's like in the carpet, in the, in the room, it was a disaster. Anyway, eventually, like an hour later, we get the boys to the point where like they've all calmed down now to the point where they can go to sleep but it's taken us a long time to get them there and there's like two or three other teachers that have now joined this effort and that whole time we had to take it in turns to go in and deal with the boys because in between 
we had to just go stand on our own outside so that we could get all of our laughter out because it, it was just so funny. <laughs> and th- those are my favourite moments is when something like very innocent is happening. It's not like anyone's doing anything bad, but you're still, as the teacher, sort of supposed to be the, you know, responsible one in that situation who's, you know, telling them what they need to do and blah, blah, blah. But it's just so funny and you can't keep a straight face while you're like talking to these boys and they can see also that like you're finding it funny but you're trying not to show it it's uh, those are my favorite moments they're brilliant they surely are the best (laughs) well hillel thank you so much for coming in today no problem i I think it's been really great having you and a great way to kick off the podcast um so thank you so much. No worries. And I look forward to listening to all future episodes. I'm very excited about this podcast. Thank you all so much for listening today. Hopefully this has had a positive influence on your teaching journey. Another big thank you to our first ever guest, Hillel Solomon. If you would like to ask a question, provide feedback, or want to be a guest on the show, please email nohatnoplaypod at gmail.com or find us on Instagram. And remember, no hat, no play.